0: Welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast, a podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching. My name is Brent Davis, and I'm the host of the podcast, and I have got a young Australian coach on the show again today, so there's been a bit of a theme in the last probably six months or so with these young guns that are coming out and blowing up my social media feeds. I've got Will Flickcroft on the line today.
1: appreciate your time, Will. Thanks for having me, Brent. Thanks for the opportunity to come have a chat with you.
0: Yeah, mate, as I said, uh, as we spoke about quickly off air, the fact that you're putting good content out there on social media and doing so well so early in your career is really inspiring to see. And I'm just keen to hear your story and and get your your profile up a a fraction higher as well, but you are doing a good job of that to start with. But for those that don't know you, can you give us a bit of a background of the Will story?
1: Yeah, so I started playing golf 10 years old, just um, got a set of golf clubs for Christmas, started actually playing with my mum. So she started playing golf at the same time. Um, And so it was just kind of a school holiday thing. I did cricket, rugby, soccer, AFL, kind of every other sport growing up. Um, And then I guess kind of the later years of high school, although I kept playing those other sports, I still really wanted to kind of pursue golf. And so from there, when I finished school, I went to uni, um, doing a business degree. So I did two years at Macquarie University and then I transferred to a college in America. So I had a couple of seasons over there playing college golf Um, and then came back to Australia, played for a little bit and then actually gave the game up for about nine months, didn't play at all. Um, And then I was finishing up my business degree and thought I didn't really want to get into business in the office all day so um, started my traineeship so I uh, did that at Manly Golf Club and been there ever since so been there six and a half years now um, obviously you know I've gone from a trainee to assistant professional um, I was assistant director of golf which I just gave up so I could coach a little bit more um, just since I was pretty busy with lessons but I guess that's kind of What's got me to where I am as of right
0: now? No, really cool. There's some there's some certainly some some topics there that I'm keen to cover. But just quickly, early on, you said you played a heap of sports, which I think is really good for kids growing up, is it's so easy to to get stuck down the one path and uh specialise way too early, I think. So playing different sports. So what kind of sports did you play apart from golf?
1: Yeah, so cricket. I played more cricket than probably everything. I played three games of cricket every weekend, um, rugby, tennis, um, AFL for a little bit, pretty much any sport, surf still, um, pretty much any sport. Like I loved all sports. So, which I think, you know, I've done a lot of TPI stuff with the junior coaching and other courses as well. But um, I think a big thing with golf is not specializing too early in a certain sport. So, you know, developing speed and all these other attributes definitely – You can learn those in other sports. It's not purely a sport where you need to play from 10 years old and only specify or only play golf, Um, doing a range of different things. increases your hand eye and, you know, gives you a lot of strength or um, different attributes that you can bring into golf. So I think that was really good for me. Even though I probably didn't play as much golf as I maybe wanted to or could have doing the other stuff, I think it kind of served me pretty well in the long term.
0: Yeah, I certainly think you're right there. But speaking of the the coaching in those other sports, how was that different from sport to sport?
1: Coaching, I think, obviously, team sports, um, yeah, there's less specific one on one. Like, obviously, played cricket, I was a batter and had some individual coaching, but, you know, week to week, you're training as a team. Um, it's more, which I think is similar to, I guess, Junior links in that, if you look at it from that perspective, where It's more doing drills and activities to improve their golf as opposed to necessarily being specific in um, one-on-one coaching. So I guess it's similar in that respect to team sports, um, but a lot less individual one-on-one coaching compared to golf.
0: It's something that's come up in a few of the the podcast episodes where I've had some coaches on from Team Sports and it's a bit easier for us as golf coaches, I think, sometimes to be only working with the one individual student all the time. I think when you get that team environment, it can be easy for people to slip through the cracks, especially in kids-based stuff because if you you aren't that loud, out-in-your-face kid, you're the quiet kid in the corner, you don't tend to get that, that coaching that possibly that kid that's um standing in front of the coach all the time gets so uh, yeah, i think it's players. also
1: hard like sometimes if you're doing better you get less help in those kind of sports like if you're you know getting runs when you're playing cricket or getting wickets the coach is sometimes more willing to help the guys who're struggling more or who are, you know so you kind of get left out sometimes i feel in that perspective if you're doing well like you sometimes get left alone yeah, um, yeah true left so, your the advice a little bit
0: yeah i think i'm i'm for- Finding that um, in my own personal coaching at the moment when my son's playing every sport except golf at the moment, and um, I give my hand put up to help coach his teams. And yeah, it is, it is, it can be easy to let that talented kid slip through and just keep doing his own thing as opposed to helping him out and trying to make him even better again. So I certainly get that. Um, So you said you played some some golf early on. I'm curious why you went down the tertiary study path as opposed to the golf path first up. What was the thought process there?
1: Um, probably a little bit of my dad's influence. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like, you know, I was playing a lot of amateur golf at the stage, but um, I guess that was something that was, I thought was a good idea to do as whether it be a backup plan or I actually didn't really think I'd get into golf coaching ever. So I was kind of like I want to either play or, or do something else. I never really thought um, at that stage when I finished school that I'd want to be a golf coach. So I guess where I was and what I was thinking in that stage of my life was probably a little bit different to where I am now. Um, and obviously you have hopes of playing or whatnot full-time potentially, but you still know how hard it is at the end of the day. So. I think just a little bit of a backup plan in case um, the plan didn't work out.
0: No, that 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 certainly makes sense. So you you were playing obviously fairly high quality amateur golf at the time. Were you in state squads at that stage or state teams?
1: Um, I did like a couple of little golf New South Wales things. I wasn't like in the team full time, but um, had a trip to Canberra with them um, and whatnot. But yeah, it was from after that. I think 2012. I went over to America. Um, and that was off a pretty good year, off the back of a good year, playing the Vardens. I think I might have finished top 10 on the averages. And that kind of opened up some doors for me to go over to America. So um, that was an unbelievable experience. Um, Something that i kind of wanted to do, but I guess you're not really sure. I guess a lot, you know, it's hard from Australia going over there. Um, It's probably not as hard as people think. Like I think, You know, there is an avenue there and people think every golfer at college is, you know, a John Rahm or whatnot, but there's plenty of different ways you can get over there. Um, And so it's a great opportunity, being able to study, play golf, you know, have all your travel and all that kind of stuff looked after, Um, play three-round events every week as opposed to you playing a one-round barter every weekend here or, you know, occasionally the two-round, three-round event. But there's just not as many opportunities. Um, although there are a lot of opportunities here, interstate and whatnot, um, there's just not regularly playing three weeks or oh, sorry, three rounds back to back weeks like you get over there.
0: So What school did you get into over there? Was it a top the uh, lines College or was it down the?
1: No, it was Division Two. Um, a place called Chico State. We were actually pretty fortunate. We were ranked number one Division Two school in the country, so we got to play. Pac-12 events, um, lots of Division one events as well. So we're pretty lucky from that um, point of view where we had a good schedule We play Division one events as well as Division two, just because of our ranking within the country.
0: So talk me through the experience and the thought process behind going over there. So you, obviously you've started your tertiary study here in Australia, decided to do a couple of years here and then go, I'm going to shift across the world and, and continue over there. So talk me through that step.
1: There's pretty... Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I'd never been to America. I um, had no idea what it was like. I actually spoke with the director of the golf at Raw near the time, Colin Hunt. He helped me out a fair bit, um, getting me in contact with a few people overseas. Um, and then from there, I was just emailing coaches, sending through results. Um, kind of takes a while. Like, you're back and forth with a heap of different coaches, keeping them updated how you're playing. Um, what scores you're playing or what scores you're shooting, what events you've got coming up. And they just, I guess, want to see you, you know, what you're doing. It's kind of hard being in Australia in a sense where they can't go watch you play events like. A lot of the players in America, there's, you know, all the AJGA stuff where they can go see younger guys, how they're playing. Um, but I think, you know, there's a few guys at Manly who have done the same thing and, I think if you, you know, as long as you have it to write some emails, like you might email hundreds of coaches, but like you can get yourself an opportunity and it's um, you know, it's a great way to get an education. You know, they're gonna pay for some of it, or your golf expenses are paid for once you're there. So it actually works out pretty well, even if you end up paying a little bit for your, your education, you probably save you know, flying around Australia playing a golf event, paying for your accommodation, so yeah, you're no worse off and it's kind of just awesome experience, for a different to over here.
0: Yeah, really cool. And that's kind of where I would head for the next question is, okay, you've you've signed up for this college, you've got on a plane and flown over there. What part of it was what you thought it was going to be and what part of it wasn't what you thought it was going to be?
1: Um, that's a good question. I think, like, America is actually pretty crazy, like, never been there. Like, it's actually pretty similar to what you've seen movies and whatnot, like... You know, I was in a big college town, so we were hundred thousand people, fifty thousand students, and it's literally, I guess, what you see in movies. <laughs> it's not any different. Which, like, you kind of thought, oh, like that can't be true, but like it is true. Um, the golf, we had thirteen people on my team the first year, and only five played each week, so you played a lot of golf. Like, we'd play qualifying events between events every week or every fortnight when we played. So I think, you know, like you look at lots of the American guys that don't necessarily have the best swings, but they're good at getting the ball in the hole. And I think, you know, like we'd play eight rounds some weeks. So you'd play you might play an event, play the Sunday or sorry, play Sunday practice round, thirty six holes Monday, eighteen holes Tuesday, travel back Tuesday night, and then you might have four qualifying rounds before you go away again the next Sunday. So it was a lot of golf. Um a lot more than you play in Australia. Like even you're playing club comps, it's not kind of the same. You're pretty much playing a three or four round qualifying event every week plus a three round event versus other you know other colleges every week. So I think the amount of golf you play, I probably didn't expect that. Um, but I think like I got a lot better, not necessarily technically, but just learning how to play golf. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that was probably a point I was going to make is it's if you're playing that much golf, it's obviously hard to make swing changes if, you, if you're having problems with your swing technically. So how did you deal with those times when you weren't playing your golf as high as you could play?
1: Yeah, it was a bit funny. I had um, obviously lessons when I was over in Australia. I and mean, then I went to America and pretty much didn't have a lesson for a year and a half. Like our coach was – he played on a Canadian tour and whatnot. But I think the coaches over there, like, it depends where you go, but they're not necessarily PJ pros. They're more like a manager getting you to go here to here, organising your practices and whatnot. But there's not as much technical guidance as you may expect. And I guess that's going back to your last question where, um, I guess, until you meet the coach and see how practice works. Like, I never got, went over on a visit or anything. so. Um, I guess you're kind of just taking a leap of faith going over there. Um, but I guess, like, you know, you don't have time to make changes and it's just you can be playing not well, but you play so often you can still shoot a score. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, you're playing so much golf competitively and like, every shot, you know, literally counts. You're not playing practice rounds or... um this for fun like every shot you hit pretty much every week counts and so you just get used to grinding about you know some days you have your good stuff some days you won't but you still have to shoot a score
0: and that's probably the common theme that comes out of people that i've had on the show that have been to college in the u.s is the fact that they learn how to play golf in inverted commas because yeah you, you don't have time and the, the coaches that as you said that they have on the in the schools generally aren't technical coaches they're just yeah. here to get your travel organized and get you into the right hotels and that kind of thing so you learn how to get the ball in the hole essentially when you're playing golf as opposed to having a perfect golf swing all the time which is a, yeah. a cool skill to have by the way which is awesome
1: yeah 100 percent. i think like you know when i came back and then i, don't know, I like doing some technical stuff when you come back and like i probably swing it better now than ever but I'm probably or wouldn't shoot the scores I used to when I was back there not swinging as well. So I'm playing every day. So um, obviously it helps like if you had both (laughs) and like the technical side helps a lot, but I think there's no real substitute for playing a heap of golf and just competing, um, you know, day to day
0: which completely makes sense because we are seeing more of a trend in that these days in australia with coaching as we're heading more towards on- course coaching aren't we, as opposed to standing on the on the practice fairway
1: hitting golf yeah, for, for sure
0: we are going down that path which is really cool so you've got through and survived all the all the college parties and all the stuff that you said you see on tv that is that is true over there so i'm guessing in a in know college town with the students that you had there the Parting would have been just massive.
1: It was. It was pretty cheap over there too. It was, you know, like a dollar, two dollars max for beer anywhere. Like it was crazy <laughs> like the prices and you know you could have twenty bucks in your wallet and that was more than enough for a night out. So it was very wow. different to over in Australia. very. <laughs> very you might get two drinks for that. But um Yeah, it was crazy. Everything was cheap. My my rent, I was in a shared house, but I paid three hundred a month rent. Um, just everything was cheap. So it was very different. Like I guess everywhere in America is pretty different. Like, you know, you go down to LA, San Diego, San Fran, you pay top dollar. Um, so I was kind of a couple of hours from San Fran and you pay nothing to live. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: Must have been challenging to keep the focus on the study and the golf in that, in that um, type of environment.
1: It was at times. We kind of had – so most colleges – for those who don't know, you have like a, a fall and then like the spring. So the fall, you normally only play three or four events in the semester. And then the spring, you're pretty much, you know, nine out of 12 weeks. So I guess the fall, you have a lot more time for recreational activities. Where <laughs> the spring, you're pretty much under the pump. You're playing qualifying rounds or events every day. So you have no real time for it. But yeah.
0: no, good. So you survived. You, you, you've you passed everything and got through. What was the thought process then? Was it to go out and play? Well, that was a, kind of the first thought.
1: Yeah, so I actually came back intending to play um, and I went to tour school for Australasian Tour and I pulled out my rangefinder. I think it was the last year that you weren't allowed to use rangefinders. Pulled out second hole, second round and had to DQ myself. So, <laughs> um that kind of changed you know where i was headed and my plans i'd entered china tour school and Australasian. um had that happened so i had that happen and then after that that's when i didn't play golf just i'd had enough um i think there was a final straw didn't play for nine months um finished my business degree back here in the end um and yeah pretty much didn't play golf and then I think it might have been the last day before the cutoff to be, a, you know, entered to do a traineeship came up and I entered and a few years later, I would finished my, you know, my PJ qualification. So, <laughs> yeah, I never had thought when I was going to tour school or at that stage, I was going to coach or be in the golf industry, but um, it kind of had that time away, finished my business degree, and thought this wasn't for me, and uh, yeah, got back into golf.
0: So you pulled out a range finder. A range finder. And during the round, were you on track to qualify? Were you in the in the hunt?
1: I shot like maybe one over first there. like I wasn't out of it, kind of thing, and had another two rounds to go. So um, yeah, just. What did, I I did what you it say? It, <laughs> This, was, this is what I blame or this is what I say is a problem. I just played the New South Wales Open, New South Wales PGA in the, you know, kind of weeks leading up, had caddies, had a caddy the first day and then second day had no caddy. And it was kind of this instinct where you're pulling your bag now as opposed to someone else taking your clubs, you know, like someone else had your clubs, you just play yardage, book, whatnot, and then had no one doing it that day and, yeah. Second hole, pulled it out, used it, and then I realized what I'd done. Told the other guys in my group I just used my rangefinder and walked off the golf course.
0: Wow, <laughs> okay. Well, it's obviously made you um tweak the career
1: pathway that way, yeah. It was an expensive then- entry fee for one one round and one and a half off.
0: <laughs> so, what was um, what was tour school feedback then? How much was it? Did it cost you then to enter? I, I think it was, uh, a, it was around 1750.
1: 1900 around
0: there. Yeah, it sounds about right. I think the year that I entered it, it was probably 1200 back then. So, yeah, it would be something like that. So, yeah, as you said, change, it-
1: they changed the rules a year after that.
0: Wow. Okay. So and you, another,
1: you, guy, another guy, the same week, the round before, this was what was crazy about it. So, first round, another guy had done the same thing. And like, I was literally talking to other guys on the range about what this guy done yesterday. And then I went and did the same thing. <laughs> so, like, it was even in my mind, like, you know. Someone had been DQ'd for this the day before, and then I
0: still just pulled it out. So. That's the same thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you're into the trainee program, and this is a question that I've, I've asked just about all the people that come on the show that are fairly recent graduates. So, talk me through your experience in the trainee program. How did you find it? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? You can feel free to talk freely because I don't work for the PGA anymore. So, you can <laughs> you can say what you want about the program. I'm just curious to hear your
1: thoughts. I like the like I like the plane. Like I kind of got back into playing a fair bit there, um, and I had some decent results, so that was kind of nice. Um, the education side was, you know, the first couple of years was pretty easy. I felt after doing uni for a few, you know, four years or whatever, so I didn't find it too bad. But it was more just like a time-consuming thing as opposed to. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of time. But when you're trying to work full time, try to do a little bit, you know, you junior links or whatever you're doing at that stage. Um, you know, you have every Monday's plane, it's just like the time management kinda needs to be pretty good. And it's easier to get to a Friday at whatever time and be like, Oh no, I gotta get my assignment in tonight. So <laughs> Yeah, it was more time management than like a um it was work, but it was more like getting through it as opposed to I felt for me as opposed to um, being super hard. The first, the last year there's a lot of like you know a lot of big assignments and some of them would take you ages, but the first couple of years was pretty smooth sailing.
0: It's probably a challenging space because it is all essentially in your own time um, as yeah. opposed to being a uni or college where you have to go to class or you've got teachers in front of you all the time um yeah. you kind of your own your own you're in control of your own work with, with the trainee program so you have to find time to do it yourself and combine that with full time work plus practice plus play it's it is pretty tough so i think as you said time management is pretty important in the trainee program
1: yeah for sure um, yeah and i guess the, the i mean I like the practical aspects the most. And I think even now, rather than, you know, studying so much what's the best, or you know, what are the, you know, different principles and this and that, um, key fundamentals. I think, like, when you'd have training schools, see other coaches doing their work, like, that's what I kind of liked, seeing how other people went about their job. Um I think that, for me, was a lot more interesting and you probably learnt a lot more as opposed to just punching out some assignments online.
0: Yep, certainly that certainly does make sense. It's, um, it's, it's hard to find that even I suppose, you have to know the theory behind it, but yeah. then to see how someone applies it is obviously really important as well. So yep. I think you are right. Being able to spend time seeing good coaches coach is obviously a, a huge positive for, for anyone getting into the, the coaching game. So, yeah, for really, sure. really cool. Um, so, would, with the thought process after the three years, did it float back to playing, or or was nah, it now? Like so,
1: once I had made my decision, three or four years, I guess before that, I was done. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> um, yeah, like I kind of, I did enjoy playing, but I think there is also, I don't know how hard it is, even playing in Australia, like unless you finish top five on the money list, realistically, you're not making that much money. So unless you want to go overseas, which I didn't really want to do at that stage, um, I think it was kind of, you know, you want to go overseas and play or been in Australia, you kind of, yeah. There's more money to be made, coaching and, you know, security. And I guess that's where I was in my stage of life. I like, I wanted more of that than to be running around chasing my tail. Playing golf
0: makes sense. Makes sense. So you were, you said you were fortunate enough to to stay at the place where you did your traineeship. So yeah, you talk me through. Sure. Okay, you're you're out there as a full PGA professional now. How did you go about
1: setting up your coaching business? um I got I've been pretty lucky my whole time at Mountly. So um, there was two assistant pros when I started out. One of them left only a few months after um, I got there. So I got to do a fair bit of the junior clinics pretty much from, you know, first year on. So I guess I was really fortunate from that perspective. Um, I got to take over that. There was two of us doing clinics every Tuesday, Thursday. So I got to take over that, which I guess kind of got me into the coaching where if the other assistant hadn't left, you know, it might've been three years on and they were still doing clinics and I hadn't really got my foot in the door. So I was really lucky from that perspective. and then I guess from that started coaching a few kids privately and then from there a few adults. Um, and so I just kind of snowboarded a little bit. And then the had other assistant pro who was there, he left um, with me having about six months left of my traineeship. So I actually took over like second in charge of the shop from that stage. So I've been pretty lucky my whole time how things have kind of just fallen into place from it mainly. Manly and i guess from there i was able to coach more since both both the other system pros had left we had a teaching pro come in but there's still a fair bit of coaching so um yeah just kind of snowballed from doing two or three kids clinics a week to doing that plus a few one-on-one kids to doing a few adults and then just slowly over time just continue to grow
0: were there any specific strategies that you use to to shift over from group coaching into private coaching? Because obviously, um, the kids probably evolved organically. You've you've got a kid in a junior clinic, then he gets past that group type stage, yeah. and you give him some private coaching. Were there any strategies you used to shift into that private coaching space?
1: Um, obviously, I think being in the shop helps a lot. Like, you you know, you have that interaction with members every day just asking them basic questions how do you round play or how do you play like what are you struggling with so it kind of gives you an opportunity to then go oh you know if you need help you know let's book in for a lesson or whatnot rather than just you know not taking an interest in them so i think having that interaction with the members you know they send you every day in the shop just ask them how they're going and whatnot like that's a great way to get some clients um, and I, you already have that trust built up with them from interacting with them, you know, doing the right thing by them in the shop. And then they kind of have that trust where, oh, you know, Will's always done the right thing for me in the shop and looked after me, but like maybe I'll go get a lesson from him. So I think that kind of helped me a lot. Um, I got a website probably a year and a half, two years ago, and that's been crazy How much? Um business I've got from that, just having my name out there, um, having a booking system, you know, all my prices and all that kind of thing, um, links to social media so people can see what you're doing, all that kind of stuff I think has been massive for me, just making it easier for the customer. So, you know, rather than having to call the pro shop, um, make a booking whatnot, not having an online booking system just through my website. That's been awesome for me. That's really
0: cool. Um, I'm curious, you said, and the point is great, I think it's really important to be able to speak to people in the pro shop because that will help you pick up clients. Is that something that comes easily to you or is it something you've had to work on?
1: Um, Definitely work on. I think being at the club for six years or six and a half years, you become more and more comfortable with customers being a private golf club. You're seeing the same people day after day, week after week so you can kind of build a relationship with them, um, which I think has been awesome. Um, But, yeah, definitely I guess it's like coaching, like anything, like you get better at interacting with customers, you know, how certain customers are going to react by just learning to read them what they need from you, um, how they're feeling, all that kind of stuff, I think that's really important.
0: It um and, and again I suppose it's the same as anything. It's a skill, and if you practice it and talk to people, you'll improve on it. So yeah, for sure, I think. But it is a, certainly a great way to pick up pick up those students. Now you've obviously stepped into that online space quite quickly with your own site. Was that something yeah. you did yourself, or did you outsource that to a to a company, or how did you set up the the
1: site? I for so a guy who used to work in the project at Manly, he was doing IT at uni, and he. Did um one of the other pros, Toby McGeechee, who's down at well, was it climber now, Linkshot Cove, he did his and then I got him to do mine as well. So he you know, he was just starting out doing his stuff at uni and gave me a good deal. So but I think he's been awesome. Like he's been able to integrate stuff which I would have no idea how to do, like the online booking system. Um yeah. you know, all the back end stuff I have no idea about. And mm-hmm. I think he's done a pretty good job making it look pretty professional. So, you know, I've got a heap of comments on it saying how good it looks and um, how easy it is to use and whatnot. So I think for me, it was definitely a worthwhile investment rather than trying to waste hours, myself trying to do it. Um, I completely agree. Yeah, like you can do it yourself. Obviously I know people who have, but I think like for me, it was definitely worth the investment. Like long-term it's more than paid off you know, what I paid him to do it.
0: Is there something you track personally? Your like your your site traffic and all that kind of stuff as well? Do you do you go into the back end of the site and see what's going on?
1: I still get him to do it. So okay. I guess I guess another you know, he's got all of the he has a big business now doing all that kind of stuff. So he can kind of monitor it all he has all different programs and, you know, all the SEO stuff with Google and what people are searching, all that kind of stuff like what keywords you know to put in all that kind of stuff i would have no idea about that so he does all that for me so
0: awesome
1: i think that's been a big part of getting the business rather than me just you know writing some words on a web page and not really knowing what things i should be saying or writing to get people attracted to my website
0: perfect um you said you've set up an online booking system what was the thought process behind setting that up
1: um so obviously, a lot of golf clubs use my club, um, but if you're a non-member, you can't really log into the, you can't log into the the club's website. So I was lucky where Manly were fine with me um, taking my own bookings um, through that. So just allowing, well, making it easier for myself, I get notifications every time someone booked in. Um, making it easier for a non-member to book in for a lesson with me um that's kind of what my thinking was just trying to make it as simple as it was for a customer to go all right i can book a lesson and it'll take them 30 seconds not go oh i gotta call up the pro shop maybe i'll do it later so that's where my thought kind of went just trying to make it as easy for the customer to go yep let's just do that right right now
0: Makes sense. Um, I'm curious. I'm always curious when people allow online scheduling, and I think it's a great thing, by the way, because I, I haven't had it in the past as well, but if you have got how how much prior time did they have to give you before you book in? And so if, if they called up or if they jumped online at 2 o'clock on a Wednesday, can they book in for, for 3 o'clock on that same day or is there, a, is there, a, I do, is there something
1: spaced out? I, I can change it to whatever I want, um, but I don't two hours before but i'll also block it off sometimes the morning of or um just depending on what else i'm going well now what else is going on what else i need to get done in the day so i can change my hours pretty easily like just on my phone app app it takes me 30 seconds to change my times open more up close them off um so yeah they have pretty much 24 hours before to cancel or two hours before to book in no,
0: that's. I think that's important too because it'd be, be so easy just to be constantly at the golf club, just on the off chance someone books in. So if you have, yeah, uh, I if- mean,
1: I guess I'm kind of lucky where at the moment I'm pretty full when I'm there. So, um, I mean, a good example yesterday morning, I was fully booked the whole day. Had one guy cancel; he had done something to his ankle, and then I get a notification half an hour later. Someone's booked into that time slot. So. I guess, you know, that was in the middle of me otherwise having an hour break. So that's a lesson I wouldn't have got. So I guess, you know, works out pretty well. But you got to kind of be smart with, you know, like I don't, if I'm not there, if I don't have lessons booked in, you know, if I'm finished at four o'clock, I'm not going to leave it open till six o'clock if I've got no one else for the rest of the day. Where if I have a break from three to four, I'm just going to leave it open. So yeah, not kind of hanging around, but, If I'm kind of there already, I'll leave it open.
0: Makes sense. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Okay. So you've done a lot of study in that junior coaching space, that TPI junior course. I think you had level three. I I was reading online. Yeah, I've
1: done level three, junior, level two power, level two coaching. So done a fair bit of TPI stuff.
0: Yeah, which is cool. And there's obviously that was a conscious effort to go down that that pathway. how did you find that training? In, in the, is the first question I want to know.
1: Awesome. So, the first, when I did the, I actually been to the TPI Performance Institute itself twice. So, I did TPI level one over there and I did junior level three over there. So, the level three you have to do, or well, prior to COVID, you had to do in person over there. But that was pretty cool just seeing, you know, their whole space there, their range doing ball testing, um, their practice facilities. So I guess like, apart from just the learning side, that whole experience was like unbelievable. Um, just seeing like all the research and what goes on kind of behind the scenes where the average person never gets to see that stuff. Um, you know, just having like the iron bar and thing, hitting balls literally all day, testing, what if the ball has one coat of paint or two coats of paint? So this, you know, what if one side has another half coat of paint? Like all that kind of stuff was just pretty cool to see. Um, in addition to obviously learning about juniors and coaching and all that kind of stuff, um, but I think just it's great in not just opening or learning more about the the coaching side. They're pretty good on the business side, how to improve your business. Um, what strategies you can use how to structure programs all that kind of stuff they give you a lot of help with that as well so i think yes there's obviously you know whether it's the power or coaching level two or juniors um there's still a lot a lot of assistance and help they give you business ideas how you can go away what you know what people have done to be successful and whatnot so yeah
0: Okay, Will, we had some issues with the recording then. So we lost you a bit about when you're talking about the junior TPI. But apart from the the junior TPI, you did power TPI as well. Can you explain what that actually is about?
1: Yeah, so TPI, power, um, obviously big part of today's game. Look at Bryson. Um, I guess other guys, a few of them started trying. But power is a massive part for not only professional, I guess, a lot of people club golfers, so um, all the stats kind of show from PGA Tour-wise even down that the longer you are, the easier and better, you know, the more accurate you're going to be from a closer distance, whether it's in the rough um, sand where it is. Um, so I think learning ways to help the average golfer even, not just a high-level golfer, help the average 60, 70-year-old find ways to hit that ball another 10, 15 metres at just going to make their life a lot more enjoyable, make their game more enjoyable. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I went, looking to do that kind of thing, just help more the average person as opposed to the higher, you know, high caliber player. Makes sense.
0: Um, was the thought process behind doing the TPI Junior program to get into like full-time junior coaching? Was that something that you had in your in your head at the time?
1: I think at that stage. I mean, COVID's kind of made it a little bit difficult for us to do juniors the last couple of years. I've done a couple of terms, but we really weren't having guests at the golf club for the majority of the last year and a half or two years now. So that kind of put a halt to the junior programs a little bit. But, yeah, I was doing like five clinics a week. So I think just for my personal development, give the the kids better programs. just trying to learn, I guess, as much as I could about how to structure programs, what are good things for kids to learn, about different phases, about where they should be doing you know, speed training or power or different skills based on their age. I think that's where I was kind of going. Just, I was doing so much junior coaching, I just thought I wanted to be able to give a better product for the, the kids and those who are paying for it.
0: Five junior clinics per week, that's a, that's a heap of work. I'm sure that was tiring
1: for you. It was a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's sustainable, but it is good fun. Like I was kind of fortunate. I had a lot of the kids who had come for, you know, three, four, five years, lost them. So like with any student, you kind of gain that relationship with them, which, you know, you know not just what's going on at golf, how they're going at school, of they're enjoying school, not school, what other sports are doing. Um, so, like, I guess you kind of enjoy catching up with the kids as well, see what's going on with them outside of golf. So. I don't think people
0: realise how hard coaching juniors actually is. It's full on. You've got to be upbeat and um, it's essentially going for the whole
1: time that, you've, that you have those kids in front of you. It's pretty hard if you've had a – rough day in the shop for nine hours and then try to get out and be happy for the kids for a couple of hours. But yeah. <laughs> uh, very true. I think it's – um,
0: yeah. and, again, I've had, I've had this chat with a few of the coaches on the podcast, but it's kind of where a lot of coaches start out is with junior coaching, but you can argue the point that it's probably the hardest space to, co- to coach
1: in is junior coaching. Definitely. I guess the one thing with juniors, as bad as this would probably sound – they don't really know if you mess up a little bit. So um, I guess in some respects, it's a little bit easier. You could tell them something that may not be right, which I mean, I'm sure everyone's done that in lessons, you know. If you look back at lessons from yourself 15, 20 years ago, you're like, well, what was I teaching or doing there? Like Same with any lesson. I guess the more you go on, the more you learn, the better you get, and you're like well, what was I doing five years ago? What was I doing two years ago? And I'll probably always be the same, like, in 15, 20 years' time, I'll probably be like, geez, what was I doing, you know, at my age like now? So, yeah, that's the more you learn, I guess, the more you kind of look at things in different ways, have different perspectives, have more experience. Um, you've come across the same swing, fall, or, you know, different body types, like, can't do certain things. You've figured out a way with it person with a you know, bad hip or bad back can do certain things. So I think just experience and um, I guess that's another great thing about the TPR, like learning to work around the body and people's different you know, abilities or lack of ability with their body. Um, that's kind of, you know, been a pretty important thing. Like there's no point in telling someone to do something if they physically can't get that body in that in that position. And um, you could say, do this with your wrist. But it's like if they can't physically do it, they might understand it and you could tell them a 100 times, but they're literally physically never going to be able to do it. So um, I think that's a pretty important part of coaching, understanding the student and what their limitations are. Completely
0: makes sense. And um, you've, I've said on the podcast before, you probably heard it. I've said it at training schools over the years is um, you can screw the kids up. You can generally fix them up. In, yeah. a, in the future as, as, as you go through. Okay. So the kids are great to experiment on. So. Yeah. No, that's all good. Um, okay, so you've got access to a fair bit of tech in your coaching facility. So you've got a bit of, bit of stuff floating around. How do you bring that technology into your coaching
1: programs? Yeah, I purchased my own TrackMan. So that was a big investment. Um, expensive. A recent purchase for myself, yeah. Pretty expensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, yeah, like TrackMan's great for – you as a coach, um, not every student, I guess, wants to look at the numbers. Some love numbers. Some it helps learn. Um, some, if you told them the numbers, it just confuse them. Um, so I think it's kind of understanding where the student is. Even if the student's not looking at it, it's great for you to be like, check. I guess check yourself. Like, is this making a change? Is it not? Um, you know, just gives yourself that, like, um, just gives yourself that, um, I guess, peace of mind or like confidence that you're on the right track, that like you're making the right changes. It's not just, yeah, it looks better, you know. Um, so I think that's been a pretty big, big investment, and like, it's changed, I guess, somewhat how I coach, but also at the same time, there's still the understanding that. You need to get the body doing the right things for the numbers to be right. So, yeah, I mean, TrackMan is a great tool. It's not the be-all, end-all. Um, but, yeah, it's been pretty cool having that the last six or so
0: months. I, th- I think it's – and I've been caught in this trap in the past as well. It's easy, as you said, to see a change that looks like it's changing, but it does – it isn't really changing, so you can actually tell with TrackMan whether it is making a difference or not. So, I think it's important to have that, and you've 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 said that extremely well. And it is, and sometimes the swing looks like it's changing, but it's just not. So, having that 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 tech behind you to be able to say yes, it is actually changing is is powerful. I think it kind of backs you up as a
1: coach too. Like, if people want to see, it, you can go look. This is what you were. This is what you are now. You know, it's not just me going, oh, yeah, that, that's way better. It's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm, you know, swinging as well or hitting as well, like, you know, but you might change their path crazy and they're like, oh, that's horrendous, that doesn't feel good. But you kind of have some hard evidence there where, you know, look, you've actually made a change, it's better. It um, kind of helps you out as well as a coach, I think. Yeah, makes sense.
0: Have you gone into that online coaching space at all? Are you in that in that space with any any platform?
1: Yeah, um, online with Skillist. So I've been on there for probably a year and a half, um, and then I'm actually getting online with a new one called Swing Index. So um, kind of doing it's a little bit different to Skillist, but kind of doing a bit of training with them now on that platform.
0: With um, a certain coach from South Australia that's been on the podcast as well. So,
1: correct.
0: That's good. he was on wasn't he? Uh, I, the Last year, sometime I think I spoke to him about yeah. that. So, and um, yeah, no, he's um, it's a pretty cool little platform. That it seems like it's going to be pretty pretty cool way to to do some stuff, and it seems to be getting some popularity now, which is which is good. So. Social media, you've got a presence on Instagram. Um, that's where I tend to see most of your content coming through. How do you use the socials to get your, your content out there?
1: Yeah, I guess social media, I've been at times pretty slack with it. I'm trying to be better. Um, the last few weeks, I've been trying to be pretty good at it. I think it's just getting in the habit of doing it every day. I have a little bit more time now than I'm on the shop so much. So it's been nice to have some time to make some content. I think, I guess going back to, you know, the website bookings and online stuff, it's just giving people something to look at. So having the link through your website, they can kind of see what you're doing, what you're about, um, checking out, you know, how you're explaining things and see if they kind of like what they see. So I think with the way everything's going these days, like social media is just going to be, A more important part of any company any workspace so I think just trying to get you know a little bit of not ahead of it now but trying to get it going as much as possible just for the long term I don't think it's ever going away so I think similar with online coaching I think it's something that will only get bigger which is why I've kind of dipped my toes I guess into that online coaching a little bit
0: is it something that you set aside specific time to do each week or is it something that just kind of organically grows as
1: you're as you as you're going through the work week? Not um, specifically. So I would say now like I was doing 40 hours a week in the shop plus 20 hours coaching so I really had not that much time which is why I kind of struggled to do it for a while there. Um, I've just cut back to 20 hours in the shop so I have a lot more time of free time I guess. In my, even though I'm doing 40 hours, it seems like I have a – Bunch of time each week. So, I guess doing lessons, you kind of find drills. or oh, this is what this person needs to do. So, you can kind of use some content you use during lessons or for an online lesson, post that. Some of it's, you know, you might have an idea of, I need to do something today. What can I do? And come up with a drill or exercise or whether it be a swing of someone that you're analyzing. I think it's just kind of getting something out there regularly um, and that's what people, I guess, want. The more you post, the more people are going to see your stuff um, and just get in the habit of it really, trying to make a conscious effort to do it every day or at least every couple of days.
0: I think it's it, it, you, you just stress the point that it's consistent. I think it's important that you are putting stuff out there consistently. Is there any special programs that you use or you just tend to just point your phone at yourself and off you go?
1: Uh, I normally record it. Just on my phone, and then I use an app called InShot. I think it's called. Yeah, InShot. So that you can kind of cut it up, edit it, um, put graphics or text over the top. So yeah, InShot's the one I've kind of used for that.
0: There's so many cool products out there these days, and half of them are free. You can get in. Yeah, that one's free, so. It's good. It's cool. School. You got zero excuse these days as a coach it's if, if you can't get your content out there online. It's um, you've got you've got zero excuse these days. So really cool. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Will. I really appreciate you coming in and talking to me. But there's five questions I like to throw to everybody that that comes on the show. So I'm going to throw those at you now. So advice for coaches starting out. What would you say to those young coaches out there and
1: how to get started? How to improve themselves? Um. I think the biggest thing is just talking to people, whether it's other coaches, um, you know, watching people coach. As I mentioned, like training school, I loved seeing people coach, seeing how they go about their coaching, how they explain different things, um, how they kind of structure their lesson from start to finish. I think that's kind of a great way to learn, but there's no substitute for doing it yourself. Um, I think you can watch – as many lessons be given, do as many courses as you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. So I think just kind of doing it, whether it's coaching your mates, your parents, family, whoever, um, just doing it. The more you do, the better you become.
0: I love that. I think it's so easy to be scared off as a coach and not get
1: out there and have a crack at it. Um, yeah, like even if it's giving you know free lessons or like you know like yes, you want to make money, but If you did, you'd be much better off making no money doing a 1,000 lessons and charging 130 bucks and doing 10 lessons for the year. Like, long term, if those people like you, they're going to come back for lessons and pay you anyway. So, you know, you might say, come give me a go. Like, I'll give you a free lesson. If you like it, we can sort something out then and you can, you know, fix me up. And if you do a good job, they're probably going to pay you anyway for the first one. So, I think just the more you do, the better, you know, you're going to get.
0: Awesome. I love it. Um, advice for golfers out there? What advice have you got for the average player out there?
1: I guess Par it's... Apart from coming and seeing you. Apart from coming and seeing me. Um, understand your game. Like, get a proper understanding of how far you hit the ball, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Trying to have some kind of strategy in place of, how hey, you're going to play the golf course. Um, whether it's, you know hit into the middle of every green or, you know, unless you've got less than a sand wedge or pitching wedge or whatever, don't go to a certain target if you, you know, or, you know, lots of women or older men or whoever, like not so good golfers, it's like, oh, I don't know when I should try to hit over that creek or whatever. It's like kind of have a, don't make the decision on the course, be like if you can't do it eight out of ten times or whatever it is, don't do it. And like, rather than just go, oh, I feel good this time. Like I think just have a bit of a strategy in place and I guess that's coming from having an understanding of your game and your capabilities. I think there's so many shots to be taken off if score by a good core strategy.
0: So what, are you... Telling me I can't try and hit that high drive, high draw five iron out of the, That's out enough, to the, the back one, left the pin. Part, pin over the water. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, common sense, but again, it isn't so common when it comes to golfers out there, so I like that. Um, anything you would change in your journey or career so far? Anything that you would, if you had the chance to go back and change, it, you, that you would
1: change? I think everything I've done, I've learned a lot from, so probably wouldn't necessarily change. One thing I would have like to do would probably be spend some time in America, which I'm still not – I don't necessarily want to go live there again, but just go over there for a month, spend some time with some coaches, you know, guys coaching PGA Tour players and guys on, you know, big world tours, just kind of seeing how they go about their day-to-day. There's so much opportunity in America for golf. So if I was younger, you know, if I hadn't done my business degree and whatnot, if I'd gone straight into my traineeship, if I was finishing at 21, 22, I'm sure I probably would have gone to America then instead of doing the college. But there's so much opportunity um, over there compared to Australia, I feel. There's so many more resources, everything.
0: Cool. I like it. I think that would be um, it was something that I would personally do as well, spend more time in the US if I had, had that time over again. So I appreciate that 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 idea. Um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? What are the what are the long-term goals for yourself? Um, nothing
1: too specific. I guess probably I've been, I enjoy the shop a little bit, and as I said, I think it's a good way to meet customers and get to know people, but ideally getting out of – yeah, some say it's just coaching full-time. Hopefully some of my younger students are playing on tours or state teams. Um, that would be pretty cool. Um, like have someone I've coached for five years kind of develop them into to a tour player or, a, you know, just an elite amateur. Um, that's kind of what I'd like to do.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. Um, sources of, of further ed- education, further training for yourself? Is there podcasts, sites, people you talk to to improve your your skills?
1: Yeah, so obviously done a fair bit of the TPI, um, even the webinars for the PGA, often the coaching ones, is, a heap of good ones about how to grow your business, um, marketing strategies, all that kind of stuff, I think. Even Instagram, like if you know what you're looking for, you know, um, you know, obviously it's knowing what to apply to people or whatnot. But there's just watching people explain things, like different coaches. Um, you don't necessarily have to agree with what they're coaching, but seeing how they phrase things, how they, um, you know, snippets of their lessons, how they go about it, I think is pretty interesting. Um, and you might not like all of it, but just being able to take some of that. Into your own coaching, and then just other PJ members, other guys that have been coached by, um, talking to them, seeing what they do, how, about, how they go about certain things. I think, yeah, the more you talk to people, the better off you're going to be.
0: Makes um, sense. And it's, yeah,
1: you might not want to, but I know I've been so lucky at Manly, not just in like my coaching and not talking to the members like, things outside of golf that they've been able to help me with. So I think there's a lot of, you know, members of golf clubs who are happy to help out you as a PGA member if, you know, you do the right thing by them. They're happy to give up their time, happy to help you in it whatever way they can. So that's,
0: that's great. Awesome, Will. Thank you again for your time today. Let's throw some plugs out there. So some links, your website, social media handles. Where can people
1: find you? Website, um Instagram the same wolf Likoff golf Facebook wolf Likoff golf just started a TikTok so <laughs> I think get onto that just you know in case something happens to Instagram but yeah wolf Likoff golf for pretty much everything so I will put some
0: links in the show notes to everyone, so they can find you I haven't started the TikTok channel myself but so I'll put the other, ones, other ones in there yet, so I will. I'll put some links down in the show notes, to everyone, so they can find you. So again, will thank you for for your time. I really appreciate you coming and having a chat to me, working through the technical issues we had with the recording. But we've 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 got it all done now, so it's all complete. So appreciate your time, and we'll certainly catch up soon.
1: Well, thanks for the time, Brent.